0: And the main purpose of the expedition was to highlight the amazing and innovative climate solutions that the UK has. And the reason we wanted to do this was to bring some hope.
1: So what do you want to achieve uh, with this podcast?
0: Impressive people who are making solutions,
2: they're saying things and doing things. Exactly. we will spark some ideas, hopefully. Crazy stories about innovative things like, wow, that's new. That's... I mean, how many people don't like new? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Climate Heroes podcast. I'm Isaac Kenyon, one of your hosts. I have a question for you, the listener. Could our world be fully sustainable? Our podcast explores that question and the many climate solutions developed by world-leading experts that can change the world. If you are listening, spread the word. We want to scale these solutions. Without further ado, let's get on to the episode.
1: And welcome to the first episodes of the podcast. Today uh, we are here with Isaac and Alex, the co-founders of Climate Explorers, and we are going to talk about how Climate Explorers started, what is this podcast about, and what is a community interest company. So just to start, would you like to introduce yourselves?
2: Yes, sure. Um, I may have introduced myself already in the intro of the podcast. I'm Isaac Um, I'm currently uh, the CEO and co-founder of Climate Explorers.
0: Hello everyone, I'm Alex, I'm the CEO and the other co-founder of Climate Explorers and I'm really excited to delve into the backstory and what our whole purpose at this Community Interest Company is.
1: Okay, so just to start, I think the first question would be, um, what is the story of Cl- Climate Explorers?
2: Yeah, well, where does it all begin, Alex? So, uh, Alex and I n- knew each other for a very long time since university, we're actually recording in the studio that was within our university where we met raw holloway university and we're recording in insanity radio 103.2 fm studio really thankful for that um we met up properly i guess our real meeting happened after university and we realized that we had so much in common with one mental health two outdoors and activities and three we had a real drive to help and contribute positively to the climate issues that we are facing and that's where sort of a brainchild came together and Alex and I decided to go on a adventure that was going to raise awareness of climate solutions.
0: All right, and I'll go into the actual adventure we did. So the first project we did together was called Pedal for Parks and it was a world's first expedition cycling all the way from the Orkney Islands, which are just above Scotland, for those who don't know, to the Isles of Scilly, which are just southwest of of Cornwall in the south of England. Uh, We did this over two weeks and we didn't cycle just the land parts we also cycled the water-based parks on water bikes which is quite an adventure and unique no one had done this before and the main purpose of the expedition was to highlight the amazing and innovative climate solutions that the uk has but that you never hear about in the mainstream media and the reason we wanted to do this was to bring some hope because usually you just hear doom and gloom and we'll go back on into this when we discuss the purpose of our entire organization as well and also to raise uh help them raise money because obviously if more people know about them the more they're likely to contribute and to get some networking going between people who might have been working on very similar solutions but didn't know about each other so to increase collaboration um, and that worked so well we did really well with isaac we had over 80 sponsors for the project with our main uh, product where we made uh, essentially was a documentary 30 minute long that you'll be able to check out online and um, we'll post links to that in the outro of the episode Um, And we took that to COP26 in Glasgow Um, in late 2021. It got uh, screened all over the world at various festivals, big ones like Kendall Mountain Festival in the UK, Fort William Mountain Festival, and various others in Europe and abroad. We've actually just found out today it's being uh, shown in Mexico as well in a few weeks, which is great. And after the whole project kind of came to an end, we thought we've had such good uptake. There's a real desire. People really want to like the format of mixing adventure with climate solutions. So why don't we start something bigger, start a community interest company, and it grew from there essentially.
1: But then it was just uh, your initiative. Did you have any other help? Like, how did you get started? Was it difficult? Did you know how to do any of that? Or it was just basically from nothing?
2: Yes, um, we did have support um, we had a great support network that we built through the project of Pedal for Parks. So Pedal for Parks um, was pretty much from the ground up. We didn't really know what we were doing, um, PR and things like this. And then an operation standpoint, there's uh, client relations with sponsors, which is quite difficult to up, upkeep. And as volunteers ourselves, we call ourselves volunteers in that project, we were doing it not paid. It was, it was quite difficult to outside our full-time jobs. But during the process, we met so many interesting people who have done incredible things, incredible climate solutions, businesses, like changing the industries that they are in, You know, kind of breaking the molds of what, what's possible. And they started businesses from scratch. So we've learned a lot from them, which has helped us sort of build the ground for Climate Explorers. So I mean, Alex and I immediately, um, when we decided to start the Climate Explorers business, we wanted to go for the B Corporation status. What We would never have wanted to do that if we didn't have most of our sponsors from B Corporations who build that incredible sustainable framework to their business from the ground up. And that's exactly what we wanted to do. And it was a really great process. Um, We're still going through it right now. Um, And on the way, we have built up sort of advisors who then help us with various different things that you need to do in any form of business. But that aside, um, you only learn by failing and we have failed a bit. And um, we've made mistakes and we've grown.
1: Why is that B Corp Corporation, just for people that don't really know about it?
2: Yeah, so the B Corporation um, sort of status is kind of like a green label for a business where there is some strict guidelines to how you can run your business to be something that can also contribute positively, not just, you know, to the shareholders and making profits for them and also, you know, the people that um, buy your, your service or product, but the planet as well. So... How can we reduce our environmental impact or our social and ethical impact on employees in a humanitarian way? You can do that through various different ways. There is possibilities. Sometimes it is at a cost, but also there are some easy wins where you can just change the policies that you um, upkeep and also the processes that you do in your workplace that doesn't actually cost that much. So B Corporation is a really easy way to make an impact in a positive, positive way. Um, Without actually having to spend a lot of money, um, one of the best ways to do it, if anyone is listening and you want to take a tip, start from the the beginning of your business doing the framework for it. Um, Otherwise, it's quite hard to retrospectively go back in time um, to to become a more sustainable business or a more ethical business because you've got so many (laughs) processes you've had for many years. It's quite hard to change. That's something we've learned from all the interactions we've had with sustainable and climate solution focused business.
1: Um, how difficult would you say was to start this business? Did you have many challenges so over the years?
0: We came from the lucky position of having done the first project and then kind of transitioned it into a business. So At first it wasn't a business. Uh, it wasn't even registered or anything like that. It was more a charity project that we did and just kept growing and growing. Um, but the good thing in the UK is it's pretty easy to open a business. So there's a lot of help out there. The help online is very easy to follow. It's 27 pounds to register, which is why so many startups and there's such a hub these days, not only London, but all over the UK. Administrative overheads are not that high compared to a lot of other countries, um, which is very helpful, uh, but we've learned so much that we've been incorporated for just a year now. It's our first year coming to an end, which is brilliant. And we've learned loads and loads. So we knew about how to run a project and how to build a team. But then there's like things like human resources, policymaking, um, project management but on a kind of bigger level than a singular project more on a business continuous level um, and all of this we've just been learning as we're doing essentially um, so there's been a lot of challenges what would um, you say is
1: the main challenge
0: main challenge is just keeping on top of it all with, with our full-time work and our other initiatives we're involved in we're both trustees for charities as well both do a lot of sports and I'm sure if you you know you google Isaac's name yeah. you'll <laughs> find everything he's been up to as well so that's been kind of the hardest you have yeah we, uh, we love calendars and diaries. <laughs> they are the, some of the best tools ever invented. Like, we couldn't do any of this without those. Uh, so and,
1: basically yeah. a lot of organization. A lot
0: of organization, say. 100%. It's like the key is the basic. Yeah.
2: And as with most businesses and climate solutions, um, one of the major hurdles is funding. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we have just developed our sort of strategy for. And that is something that most climate solutions require support with. And we as a, as a you know, community interest company will go into what a community interest company is in a, in a bit. But we are a company that can get money from various different sources like grants or um, business funds that are supporting uh, sustainable initiatives or impact investors um, or building that sort of sustainability in finance is really tricky um, and it's it's been a big learning curve we've we've obviously made mistakes but we have learned from those and um, we're, we're getting stronger and stronger every year Um looking forward to next year because we feel like we've got some big growth coming
1: what do you feel about the response from the public do you have um, any like comments in general do you think that you have had a really good response or like what do you feel
2: we've never really had a negative response to what we're doing it's always mm. been very positive hasn't it Alex yeah 100 um, percent the one occasional negative response that we may we, we have had is for te- potentially things where you haven't been eco enough mm. um, we've had a lot of that because sometimes when you are representative as an you know sustainable or an eco brand there are sort of levels of econess um, that you know is possible. Uh, for some things like our Pedal for Parks journey there was times where we had a film crew behind us and they had to you know move and be mobile so they weren't able to cycle and film Um, and that was one of the challenges for us to make a very sustainable eco film was the fact that there's going to be emissions there's going to be a car following us and we did get criticized for things like that but at the end of the day we are um, trying our best and we are also you know, doing as many things as possible that we could have done to um, reduce our impact, such as carbon offsetting for things that we physically couldn't change. There is no, I guess, sustainable way of filmmaking. Um, cameras are plastic and they're made from you know, raw materials that are really hard to do sustainably. So you're always going to be criticised. But most of the time, we've had a lot of positive um, outcomes from our talks and our film. Lots of people have been inspired to do adventures like us. So Alex and I went to the Blue Earth Summit uh, about two weeks ago, mm. and there was a load of films that have very similar uh, storylines where people were doing a very um, sort of man or hum- sorry human powered journey where they're highlighting um, environmental projects along the way. It's become a trend since our film, so we feel very proud about that to inspire people to also try and replicate it.
1: Would you say that you were always motivated to do something like this or did you just um, came out of the blue?
2: Um, Alex and I, you know, back in the day, the, mm. the, the, that, that beginning connection came from a very deep place and the motivation comes from the fact that we've both used the outdoors to help. We're lived experience mental health issues. Mm -hmm. We've used the outdoors as our gateway, as a way of supporting. I mean, there are other things that have supported our mental health, but outdoors has also supported it. And it's important to us to protect, you know, nature and the outdoors and the planet and the earth. And to do so, we need to be better with how we, you know, work with the planet. Instead of humans versus the planet, can we be humans and the planet together? And, and and that for us is where the deeper meaning comes from. The motivation to do this has come from that. That just, it's helped us. The nature of, and earth has helped us. So let's help the earth or help the planet. That's why we started.
1: Okay. Um, I think this takes me to the next question, uh, which is why did you decide to start this podcast?
0: Yes. So for us, it's a really good platform to raise awareness of various climate solutions, founders, innovators, on a bigger scale than we would ever be able to just with our talks or just by going to meet people face to face. Um, And we can involve volunteers like yourselves doing a brilliant job uh, to help us produce something really high quality that we can package and then publish for everyone to listen to for free. Um, We know there's a lot of podcasts out there, but not necessarily with the same angle or take that we're going to bring. And there's a lot of just amazing things happening. We're going to start off with the UK, but we have ambitions to go more global as well. And it allows us, it's a pretty easy format as well, because you can do it remotely, you can bring people on, even if they're in Scotland, working on some amazing projects up in the Orkney Islands, or down in Devon, or in Cornwall, working on a seaweed farm, or or one of the myriad other amazing things going on. Um, And it doesn't take, you know, an insane amount of funding to get going. So it's a nice, sustainable way to build up the Climate Heroes project that we have. And just from a kind of easy base and we can go step by step. And we're very lucky to have the volunteers and the equipment to be able to do this. Um, So that's the kind of driver to a bigger project that's going to come down the line as well.
2: Yeah, Climate Heroes is a sort of a sub-brand name for all of the innovators and amazing climate solutions out there. And, you know, we want to do films with these incredible places. So you go to a seaweed farm and then you find out that you can 3D print seaweed. And then that can replace all of the plastic uh, takeaway packages that everyone eats and just throws in the floor. Um, you can actually just get seaweed versions of that and then that will biodegrade or feed feed uh, some fish if you threw in the <laughs> sea. It's just those sort of things that we want to bring to light. These are very possible and very achievable solutions that don't get the platform. And we want to give them the platform.
1: Well, would you say that makes this podcast different to other ones?
2: I think so. Most podcasts that I come across and maybe other listeners come across um, in in this sort of climate pollution space is usually around the awareness of the problems or like the two degrees this and, you know, those things. But not often do you find the grassroots new innovations that haven't been found yet or those sort of things can really shake stuff up. And that's why I think we've got a USP in this podcast, because we can actually we've got a lot of researchers out there who can support us in finding these incredible solutions and then bring it to the public light. I mean, when you go on Google and you you Google climate change, do you get climate solutions? No, you get negativity stories about how we're not hitting two degrees on repeat. And I mean, the COP 27 conference, there are rarely climate solutions actually mentioned. They're very Mm. high level political statements that Mm. kind of, in some ways, if you read them carefully enough, they don't actually mean much, but (laughs) they're just saying things that kind of make people feel like something's happening but Mm. these you know impressive people who are making solutions they're saying things and doing things that are making a difference and that's that's what we want to we want the doers
0: but also touching on cop we were lucky enough to present our film and go into the blue zone at cop 26 last year and there's actually so much more going on there than what you hear about on the headlines or the main reports we met loads like tens and tens of organizations at pavilions countries yeah. charities all presenting what they were working on but you hardly ever unless but, you actually go looking yeah. on the cop website or on very niche like media organizations it's actually never yeah it's here. very
1: hard because my um company i mean my um organization is in cop now and they have this food pavilion but i think that there are so many things going on and they have these conferences mm-hmm. and like Hardly anyone show up because it's just so many other things going on. So, it's, yeah, I guess it's very hard to uh, get attention from the media speci- especially.
2: Yeah, they're being drowned out by mm. p- polit- political messaging. But, you know, we are here to disrupt <laughs> that. To so uh, that's why the podcast is here. <laughs>
1: um. So what do you want to achieve uh, with this podcast? Well, I guess, I mean... Climate Explorers in general, but specifically with the, this
2: podcast? We want to go global. And when we say global, we want people in countries all over the world to hear stories of successful case studies of sustainable innovation or something that can kind of be achievable in their country that they hadn't come up with before. Something like seaweed farming, working really well and doing 3D printing uh, to to rapidly change up the sort of packaging industry that maybe is possible in other countries around the world. So it's, it's, for us, the result would be amazing if we could hear that people have come onto this podcast and they've heard through connecting the dots um, po- possible things that they can do and they've connected with the organization that we were talking to and actually have been able to replicate or even innovate on, on top of. So it's just about finding out things that you didn't know and then growing from those things which you can do maybe through just research and listening so we're almost like a research tool for some people and um, and also there's a lot of people who just love listening to uh crazy stories about innovative things like wow that's new that's i mean how many people don't like new <laughs> no. most people like new right so this is an opportunity for something to to
0: hear that you haven't heard well, of before. even
1: people that want to create something new and they just don't feel motivated
0: well yeah exactly we'll spark some ideas hopefully Um, And there's a lot we want to also hear about what's going on abroad because there's a lot of research going on or people like communities coming together who um, sometimes start amazing and like really replicable projects as well on very low budgets, but you never hear about them here. So sometimes we tend to also over engineer solutions in the West, but there's a ton going on um, in other countries that we want to be able to, you know, talk to those people as well and bring that to light here. Um, A lot of what we've found, like doing these projects the last few years, is going back to the way we used to live before and doing things like that. So, um, it's you know, it doesn't always have to be some weird and wacky or like very expensive solution to get us out of where we are now. There's also some very just simple and very logical and rational ways as well. So looking forward to highlighting those two.
1: Also to get the message out there, because I guess a lot of people think that all these solutions, especially if it's related to climate and like something that is sustainable, is usually expensive. So how can you change that? How can you make people actually believe that all this is actually better and also cheaper?
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, there's ways to do so. Like when you start having enough people demanding for something, suddenly it starts a new industry and it becomes cheap. (laughs) it will eventually uh, become cheaper and i think with more and more people asking for uh, for instance i work in the energy industry more and more people say i want renewables now i want suddenly the price of wind turbines are coming down the price of solar farms and solar panels are coming down only with demand comes innovation to make it cheaper and easier to make Mm -hmm. and um, using this podcast as a way to sort of you know, bring an army to support these solutions, um, that's a way of increasing demand and knocking the price down.
1: Yeah, I think you can see that a lot, for example, with vegan food, that everyone used to say like, oh, it's so expensive and uh, I can't really afford it. But now with meat and especially eggs, I think are very expensive. So people are struggling to have Christmas dinners. And I think I saw a study that in a couple of years, I think by 2030, um, there are going to be more plant based options, and it's going to be actually much cheaper than um what we're eating now in the present
0: There's been a lot of behavior change recently as well as climate change is being talked about all the time. You can't not hear about it these days. Everyone's at least got some opinion and has done something about it
1: some research exactly
0: well. so now that it's kind of established, all of these solutions are starting to grow and grow, and people take more interest and it affects every single aspect, every single industry, but you're starting to see from really everywhere things piling in now, which is really great.
2: A really great success from this podcast is people who didn't care about the climate before listening to our podcast. That really <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Okay, that takes me to the next question, which is, uh, what is a community interest company and why are they so important?
0: So we've been asked this question quite a few times and why didn't you start a charity as opposed to... Um, company a private company like we are now Um, and essentially we're the legal structure we're in community enterprise company it's also known as essential enterprise in most other countries Uh, it was started about 20 years ago in 2004 2005 by the British government and it's as close to a charity as you can be without being one and essentially I mean the big difference is how you can make your income and what you can do with it so when you're a charity your income's pretty restricted it comes through grants through donations you can't, really, you can't trade, essentially, make a product and then sell it or a service and make money that way. And with our f- first film, we realize you know, there's an audience out there. We can distribute. We can get money from distributors, from producers. And it allows us to do. It's just a lot more sustainable and we can have multiple sources of income. So we can have apply for grants just like charities. There's some dedicated just to community interest companies too. And then we can make products like our multimedia series, Climate Heroes, that we're working on income through the podcast, through TV series, through blogs. Um, And so it just means we, because we're doing this on a side too, um, it means we have a lot more flexibility and we're not restricted to just one or two streams. um, Essentially, that's the big, big difference. And then in terms of what happens to the money, because it's a social enterprise, it has to go either back into the company to make it grow or to the community. So for us, the, the community is kind of global. At least most most of our audience is UK at the minute, but we've actually seen people from all over the world watching our films, going onto the website. Um and so we're not, you know, niche in one or two regions. We're a fairly global project, which is great, which means we can reach more people. So all the money and we have to obviously declare this, there's a lot of auditing and processes and we have to see show exactly what we do with the funds, um, goes towards helping um the good of the planet and the good of people which it's basically what we're doing is helping educate. It's kind of an educational message um, and sharing key solutions. And um, if anyone listening wants to start
2: off a kick, we call, uh, it's also called a kick. Um, it's like for short. Mm. Um, there are slight disadvantages at times, um, but you should know about if you are interested in it. There are disadvantages in the fact that like for a charity, it has a prestige. You know, it's a registered charity. People have that sort of knowledge that, you can sort of trust and put value on a, on a charity. It's got it inspires confidence, which right now because kicks aren't you, there isn't many compared to charities and they're fairly new. It doesn't quite have that replication, but it's growing every single year. And you know, we hope in ten years' time that we will be seen in that. You know, kicks will be seen in the same light, and um, obviously uh, we can't claim the, the same amount of uh, uh, tax reliefs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's just something for uh, people to know as well compared to a
0: charity
1: I think now just to finish I have some five questions the first question is uh, what is the best advice you ever received
2: Um, I'll go first for this one Uh, be doggedly determined and persevere because at times you can be the smartest person in the world or the best person at something but if you don't keep consistency and keep going at it you will eventually fail so if you are consistent and persistent you will always get to where you want to be
0: for me uh, it's been to slow down and not try and do everything all at once because uh, that's kind of what led to some of the mental health issues i had in the past big contributing factor was just burning the candle at both ends um trying to do x amount of hours studying x amount of hours doing sports x amount of hours doing a part-time job at night when we met with isaac and all of that kind of crashed by the end of my time at university so the yeah. best thing is just take it slow. Like you don't, you, not everything has to be done right now. Focus on like the top three priorities each day, the biggest blockers of what you're trying to achieve in, in your life or in a project or anything like that. And then once those are done, you can think about doing other things and take time for rest.
1: Sounds good. Uh, the second question is, what do you wish you'd learn sooner?
2: I wish i had learned when I was, uh, I guess, sort of 18 years old, what mental health really was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having a bit of a difficult time at university and I didn't really understand mental health and what was going on. So I kind of wish I had a bit more knowledge of that. And I was very lucky to find outdoors and nature to help me. Um, I wish I'd learned that way in the past so that I could actually you know, do more outdoor sports or outdoor things to help me if I was having a bit of a bad day, um, which reoccurred.
0: You know what, my, my thing is very similar for me as well. It was kind of like, take time out, don't try to do so much, like I said before, and the value of sleep. Well, the value of sleep ever since I've had mental health issues has is kind of really increased for me. Before, I hated sleep. I'd be like, it's just taking time away from doing things. I wish I didn't have to sleep, all those kind of things. And then just realizing, okay, it's actually super useful. It's one of the best things you can do for your body. It's crazily beneficial. You can get ill yeah. if you don't. Sleep. You can, yeah, 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 yeah. So that was something I wish I'd done since I was younger, and then I probably wouldn't have had the issues I had, or at least not to the degree that I suffered. So that's like sacrosanct now. Is kind of sleep has to happen and a decent amount every night, and then everything else you can do better anyways because you're well rested and yeah. your body's actually recovered. So it's a false economy not sleeping to have more hours in a, on the long term, at least.
1: Um, yeah, the next question is, uh, what is a lesson that took you a long time to learn?
2: Yeah, the saying no. Um, you know, turning things down. I had to learn that the hard way. I was a very yes man. And of course that leads to what Alex said, too many things. So I learned to realign what I wanted to achieve in life and then if it didn't if nothing fit in that in that sphere, I say no to it and that took a long time. I let a few people down along the way but i feel healthier so i think that's more important
0: i think fairly similar to what's been said as well but also like extreme like ownership of your actions and you're responsible for your own happiness and your outcomes in life and like the world doesn't really owe you anything you there's a lot of victim mindset as well and i've been in there too but that doesn't actually help you and you can like if you want to achieve a goal or do something or take care of your health a big one like you can there's you just gotta you know take the time out maybe head out of the rat race or of the day-to-day and actually spend the time to improve your own life like you're no one else is responsible for it it's whether you like it or not like it's you there's <laughs> you can't be dependent on anyone else it's your responsibility so that that took me a while to learn especially when i was younger and i had various issues happening in my life and i was blaming them and oh, i wish this hadn't happened i'd be jealous of other people because i was in the same situation or whatever uh, but then, once you realise kind of that power that you, you have in yourself, and you can choose your own outcome, then that's really transformational. And that took a while to sink in, but now I think yeah. I've, I've got there. How
1: you look at things, I guess, absolutely. in a very positive way, or just in a very yeah, nice
0: no, way. absolutely. There's a lot of things that I do, like even cycling to work, where people will be like, "I could never do that. That sounds awful," and I love it. Like <laughs> yeah. for me, it's something I look forward to as well. Like actually being outside doesn't matter what the weather is. That's just like one concrete example, but just flipping the way you see things yeah. yeah it's super super great thing you can do for yourself
1: um the next question question is um if you were to write a book what would it be about
2: so i'll say climate solutions that's something that we probably <laughs> want to both, that'll be our joint <laughs> yeah book. joint yeah, book yeah, that definitely. we we want to do and um, it's that it's sort of a how to maybe create your own climate solutions or how to um, start a business that can be a climate solution business or how to, um, you know, one of those practical books Mm -hmm. that can actually help people. Uh, That would be quite fun.
1: Would you say you like to write?
2: Ooh, I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm actually dyslexic, um, so I'm not very great at writing. It's very hard for me to write. But with, um,
0: you know, help, yeah, I would love to write. I've done like not a lot of writing since school, actually, like essays, things like that. Is oh,
1: you've, of... you 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 I've seen some of your blogs. I think you wrote a blog
0: for climate. Um, yes, so, yeah, yeah. A so back.
1: you have some good. Oh, thank you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks
0: for validating the blog, yeah. I like to think I can write at least some sentences that make sense mo- most of the time, at least. <laughs> I guess I wouldn't be any good at writing prose or anything too poetic these days, but I do like paying attention to detail and. I'm kind of the grammar king of climate explorers at the minute. That role is <laughs> open to anyone else if they want it, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're always trying
2: to pass off dedication.
0: <laughs> well, we, we'd love to write, yeah, not maybe jot just a purely scientific climate solutions book, but similar to what we want to do with our films and our other media, bring a bit more storytelling as well and make it a little bit more emotive too. That'll be really great because at the you know that kind of what is what grabs people and makes them want to actually help. If you just present a scientific paper to most people, myself included, it just doesn't, you know, you know, you can do this and it makes sense, but it doesn't mean you want to do it. Like we're humans, not robots. So you got to, you know, not forget that aspect as well.
1: Yeah, I think the next question is, uh, who's your inspiration and why? And what is success for you?
2: They kind of link together, I guess, those questions. Um, so, my inspiration and why, as I guess, is I kind of have some changes in inspiration as the years go on, um, based on the fact that what well, sort of my goals change a bit or my vision changes a little bit. I mean, it's been a journey, but the over- overarching uh, person that's played a lot of um, influence in my life has has actually been um, actually not just one person. It's my grandparents, and they have given me some incredible skills and um, knowledge. That I've h- helped me do what I need to do to learn anything I need to learn. They've taught me those grounding principles. Um, you know, be very determined, be really kind to people, and most importantly, help where you can. And those three principles have you know they've they've set me for life. And I, you know anything I do, I always think back to those the, those those principles and what they told me.
0: Um, I've always found it hard to find like, a, someone I don't know, like a big personality or someone who's achieved a lot publicly t- as a, one source of inspiration. Like I like famous adventurers, famous scientists, people who've done really good things, but they're never really people I think about or who kind of drive who I am as a person and what I want to achieve. So I draw a lot more from people close to me and close friends such as Isaac. I find it, you know, it's a big believer in surrounding yourself with the right people as well who help you. But number one would definitely be uh, my mum. We've had some quite bad family issues uh, about 10 years ago and the way she responded to that was really incredible and looked after myself and my sister um, and just kept going when kind of all the odds were against her moved country moved back to france took on work which she hadn't done for 15 years and just kept going and going kind of dog-headedly but also in a survival kind of mode because she had to make it happen um was just amazing and i mean that since then we've been a lot closer to and we speak several times a week and it's a big part of who the person i try to be um always having goodwill and trusting people as well things that she's really instilled in me and being personable um and i guess going on to the next section which is success for me it's just happiness like that's the number one are you happy or not maybe not all the time and you know i'm not buzzing 100% of well, the time, like jumping you, up and down. How
1: would you define happiness?
0: Happiness, being content, like not being happy with just, you like what you have, you're not envious of other things. It doesn't mean you don't have goals or you're kind of satiated, but it means you kind of look at everything around you, you think about who you are as a person, what you have, the people around Appreciation. appreciate, exactly, mm-hmm. and gratefulness, like hands down over anything else, because nothing else really matters if you think about it. Everything we kind of try and do is to make us, you don't really try to do things that make you unhappy overall. So that for me is like, is a, if I meet a person, they might be really rich or they might have done some insane achievement, but are they actually happy? Like when they go home and go home at night, do they like themselves? Are they, you know, do they have vices they use because they don't actually enjoy what they're doing? Um, so that's, that's the real goal to aim for for me. Well, what about you, Isaac?
2: Happiness is very simple. Am I feeling good at that present time? If I'm not, what, what, what could it be? And I feel that happiness is not something that's always maintained. It's uh, highs and lows. And your lows, you can be happy in your lows. I mean, people always say, Mr. Like, enthusiasm is a nickname of mine. I'm always, comes across as very positive all the time. But you know, I do have lows and I do, I find that like, even in the lows, you can find happiness in the appreciation things that you said and just understanding that are you doing things that fulfill you? And if you are, then you should be quite happy, I think. Um, I generally seem to be very happy when I'm doing things that uh, fulfill me.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the main issues of our generation right now, to find things that fulfill us when we have so many responsibilities.
2: Yeah, it's quite an insular thing, um, happiness. It's something that Someone can't really tell you how to get Mm. or what to do. I mean, people ask, what does happiness mean to you? But do you ever hear those questions like, tell me how you you are happy? How Mm. do I get happy? You know, there's a lot of that. I mean, a drug dealer might say, (laughs) you can have this pill. But what I'm trying to say here is that it's a very insular thing. And you have to go deep in within. Self-development. Yes, yeah. Mm. And it comes from within. I
0: think it's your responsibility. Again, no one is responsible for your happiness. And you're not responsible for anyone else's um nature helps a lot though so yeah <laughs> that's one good way yeah linking it back to this podcast yeah, and what true. we do nature and like messages of hope 100 percent massive so hopefully we can share some of that with everyone else too yeah there's uh values as well right every human
2: has their own values like what do you value do you value uh appreciation do you value challenge do you what do you value and then from there focus on the values and if those values are multiple, then focus on a few of them and throughout the day, like touch those values. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, yeah, I think you might find that that, that ticks the boxes. Sounds good. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so we are going to start playing a game on this show uh, where the previous guest asks the next, the next guest a question. Um, so here's yours.
2: Yeah, so my question for the next guest would be, if you had a number one climate solution, that could change the world, that isn't your one <laughs> or isn't something you're working on, someone else's, what is it? And uh, please put us in touch. <laughs> I like that.
1: That's like, very difficult though. Mm,
0: it's like, because there's so many out there as well, <laughs> I'm trying to pick one. I'd like to like, hear that answer next time. For me, it'd be, what is the biggest win that your industry has seen in the past year? So in the past 12 months, what is one big success story or one big change that's having a transformational effect on what you're working on?
1: Um, so I think, yes, uh, those are all the questions. It was uh, great to have you in the first episode of this podcast um, and thanks for coming.
2: Thanks for uh, having us um, at the beginning. It's going to be quite funny because now I'm going to be a host for the next <laughs> one. <laughs> See you all in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> we are always humbled by our guests and our audience. If you are enjoying the show, Please give this a follow and share with your friends, family, and peers at work. Please visit our website to watch some more videos and learn about the guests on our show and their climate solutions in our blog section. To our loyal listeners, you may wish to consider sponsoring our podcast and become a patron so we can bring on bigger and better guests and find more climate solutions. Lastly, we have more content like this on our social media channels, so please give us a follow at Climate Explorers. See you on the next episode of Climate Heroes.